0: My goal is to educate and inspire, and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Sober Girl's Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 67 of A Sober Girl's Guide podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. I have just been waiting, oh, I don't know, a year to get her on here. Yes, I have the one and only, the OG of sobriety, Miss Holly Whitaker. Holly walks us through her entire recovery journey. This is a raw, unfiltered, unedited interview with Holly. She walks us through even before the hip sobriety days. She brings us up to speed with The Tempest and what it takes to build a multi-million dollar company. And why? Why do it? Holly walks us through everything. This is such a great episode, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So, let's get into it. When I first started my sober journey, the word forever was absolutely terrifying. Just the idea and thought of never having a drink again was completely overwhelming. But I started in small steps. I gave myself some space. I started with 30 days. And that is all I'm asking you to do. Start with 30 days. Leave forever at the door. Start with something now. Small attainable goals will move mountains. Try the 30 days to gain challenge now. For 30 days, you will have actionable steps, encouraging emails, and inspiring words of wisdom to keep you on track for 30 days. Give yourself a little space from alcohol. See what it's like. Head over to a sobergirlsguide.com and sign up today. I am so freaking excited to talk to you. This has been such a long time coming. Like, yeah. I think probably over a year, like since I even started my podcast, I've been trying to get you on here um, <laughs> because I personally look up to you as like the OG of like making sober cool. Oh, thank more, you.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe not cool, but making it more accessible. accessible. How about that? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll totally take that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, this is awesome. We, how long has it been since you start? When did you start your your blog and your 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 business?
0: So I started the blog two years ago. Okay. Uh, I started the podcast just over a year ago, and then I really kind of started focusing on the like the business of it. <laughs> um, wait, maybe less than a year ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So. It feels like just yesterday, but it's been it's been a little bit of time and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I I obviously wanna talk about your amazing new book and Tempest and Hip Sobriety and all that good stuff. But I really wanna know where it all started. I wanna know the holly before sobriety, like like before this this revolution happened. Can you can you take us back to the the olden days and give us a little a little snack of what that was
1: like, you mean while I was still drinking or like what I yeah, oh okay, um, yeah. um oh my God, you know it's so it funny I know it's so funny because it feels like like almost two different lives um and I think there's i've i mean like the main thing is I've always been intense, I've always been high energy, I've always been uh a um what's the word i've always been a a hard worker i come from a long line of hard workers i think the difference is um i know how to control my energy i know how to own myself i think it's just a, a difference of almost um before sobriety i would say um, having one of my favorite quotes came from one of my coaches a long time ago. And it was, it's called, it says, um, what was it? Um, meditation is like, um, Oh God, I can't even remember. It's something about like, basically like if you don't meditate, your mind is like a puppy dog. It shits everywhere. And I think that was what my energy was like. And, and also how I related in the world. I think the, the me before, it's not like I'm a different person now. It's not like I'm not, I don't have the same sense of humor or the same drive or the same, um, you know, boundary testing, or, you know, I think it's far more about, uh, the ownership I have over myself. I think the clarity that I bring to my life, the management I have over my energy, but to go back and say like how I was back then, I mean, I drank a ton. I worked a lot. Um, and I was kind of an asshole, um, with no self-esteem. <laughs> So. Yeah.
0: Okay. I can definitely relate to the asshole part. <laughs> I'm still kind of an asshole. I always say, oh yeah. I mean, me too. But I always tell people like, yes, I'm an asshole. But if like, I'm your friend, I'm your asshole.
1: <laughs> that's right. So I'm
0: like a very loyal, loving, giving person, but I'm your asshole. Yeah. I
1: understand
0: I don't know if that's just a justification for being an asshole, but whatever. <laughs> I take it. I like it. (laughs) So, okay. Going through, you know, drinking a lot, working a lot. What was your breaking point? Like what got you into sobriety?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the breaking point for me was just not being able to pull it off anymore. I think there was a, I think there, for me, there was a tipping point in what felt manageable or barely manageable and what felt absolutely unmanageable. Um, And I, I would say the, you know, 2011, I don't remember much of it at all. When I look at myself Mm -hmm. in pictures, I am not there. And I think it was just such a year of survival. And what preceded 2011 was 2010, which was the year I broke up with, you know, my, um, you know, a very significant boyfriend. Um, The year I kind of gave up on the idea of having kids, the year I gave up on getting married, and the year I threw myself into my work and then started dating a boss. And so it just was this thing of I had never had a good relationship with myself. I had never, I had always had terrible coping mechanisms. I've been using alcohol and pot and cigarettes since I was 15. I had had terrible relationships with men. I had, there was just, there was so much that was broken. And I think what happened was um, I, those coping mechanisms got me so far. And then I, as I started to break more, I started to use more of those coping mechanisms. And in 2012, I just, I couldn't keep out, I couldn't outrun myself anymore. I just, there was, yeah. there was this point of, I could I couldn't, I did not have the strength. And so um, mm-hmm. that was it. And I think I was I was just talking to. Um, do you know who Kate Northrop is? She's why does that name sound familiar? Um, because she's like she's uh, she runs us. I mean her mom's Christian Northrop. She's I mean she's an author. She's she's sober. Her and her husband Mike are both sober. Um, she calls herself okay. non-drinker, an and Mike's sober and. We were just, we were just talking about this and I think it's just there, I think for a lot of us, there comes this recognition that something's not going right far before we actually do something about it. And I think for me, I knew in 2000, probably in 2010, even this was not going to end well. And, um, and it took me a long time to be able to bring the awareness, you know, to a point of being able to do something about it. Right, to bring it to
0: action. So, what did that action look like for you? Like, were you, did you go to meetings, you know, the traditional way, or what, what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I, so I, I mean, the first thing that happened was I, I would say like the first action was, I took a 12 day break from it. I think that was sometime in Mm -hmm. early 2012. Um, actually, the first Mm -hmm. action I took was I went away and I did a meditation weekend. Like the first, the first like break in the clouds was going away for a weekend for my, I think it was my 32nd birthday. It was a birthday weekend and just going and being somewhere and trying to do something not involving alcohol to still myself. And I think that that was, you know, those, there were small bits. And I think that's really important because I I think we don't give ourselves enough credit. I think we have to think it's such a grand sweeping gesture to do things, to bring ourselves into alignment. And oftentimes it's just like these tiny little tears of awareness that allow you to I mean, for me, it was almost like starting to see the other side and, or see something bigger and not being able to unsee it or having an awareness around what was possible and not being able to escape it. And so, um, but my real work started in, um, I'd say like, uh, September, October, 2012. And it just like hit this point of almost, I mean, it was just, it was, it was not manageable. Um, and I, I, had a a glorious like intervention of finding a book that I thought would help me moderate alcohol because I couldn't imagine not mm-hmm. drinking. And yeah. I ended up, um, the book, you know, was not about moderation. It was about quitting altogether. And that was, I mean, there was so much work after this, like therapy and Meditation and nutrition. I mean, there's so many different pieces to it, but my in was a book by Alan Carr called The Easy Way to Control Alcohol. Um, That was how. Yeah, I, I totally
0: relate to you kind of like taking a break and taking like space, even if it's 12 days, 15 days, 30 days, whatever. Yeah. But I just feel, I just really, really believe that taking that little bit of time, like you said, it doesn't have to be these big, you know over the top um changes in your life but just taking a little bit of that space between you and alcohol or some habit that you've been doing day in and day out yes to get that, to get that clarity
1: yeah absolutely it's
0: so so important and it yeah of course it doesn't seem like a big deal but you'd be surprised that's exactly what helped me to uh realize Hey, stop drinking, girl. It's weird. <laughs> it's not
1: working for you. Uh,
0: no. <laughs> Hindering would be the operative word there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Back to you. Uh, we you took that break, and then, like, how far after did hip sobriety start? Like, wh- tell me about that journey. And you know, I believe you started off with a blog, correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, I so I started to. I went away for my first sober weekend with some girlfriends or some friends of mine that mm-hmm. happened to be women um, in yeah. 2000 and like, in, in, I think May, 2013. So it was about a month sober and I was terrified of going yeah. on this trip. Um, they historically were women. I drank a ton of of alcohol with and I told them all in advance, I wasn't drinking. And anyway, I showed up and one of them was reading carry on warrior by Glennon, um, then mm-hmm. known as Glennon Mountain Doyle. And yeah. I, um, and she was like, you would love this book. And like handed it to me and said, you know, something about, I don't even know what it was, but just this spark of an idea that, um, that she saw me writing like Glennon and I, or like do something with my story like Glennon. And I had never, I mean, I think I had probably, I tried to start a family blog one time, a long time ago, like I, but I had never written anything besides very, you know, long emails for work. And I ended up just um going home that weekend and I started a blog and i call it's still up it's called little dot com it was on WordPress and I just started writing like I wrote a few like i i wrote an entry um when I came back and it was i mean it was just so ne- i don't know how to explain it other than to say it was absolutely necessary and over the course of that year I wrote like five blogs. I wrote, um, and they were all secret. I didn't share them with anybody. And it really wasn't until Philip Seymour Seymour Hoffman's death that I wrote a longer piece. Um, I wrote it about how just the, you know, what happens when a celebrity dies from addiction is, you know, we, we basically start to retrace the steps of what happened to that person. And we don't look at In society, how people are meant to suffer addiction alone. And it was one of these pieces. It it was one of the first times that I felt like I was channeling something. I felt like I, I mean, I don't even remember the piece. It was one of the best things I had ever written. And I ended up feeling compelled to share it. And that happened at the same time Mm -hmm. that I was quitting my job and quitting my job because. At, at that point, it was, I guess, January 2014 or February 2014, my job no longer aligned with my values and and who I was. Yeah. And so I had this split of basically, I left my job without any plan, even though I had known almost since, I mean, since bef- way before I had quit drinking, I like very early on in recovery, I knew I was going to make something of my story. I knew it. It was haunting. It was something I couldn't escape. And in the summer of 2013, when I was in Italy, I started to sketch out what the hell it would be. And so I I posted this blog. I quit my job in early, you know, late January. And then I posted this blog about Philip Seymour Hoffman in early February 2014. And, and then it was almost just like... I don't know. It just was a natural progression of where I was going. And it, yes, it started as a blog because I went and I, I wanted to, I had worked in, you know, I'd worked around venture back. I'd worked in Silicon Valley since I was, you know, in college. And so I had a, I, I had, I guess like this, uh, this, um, I don't know. I just, I always, wanted to be a CEO or wanted to have my own thing or wanted to, I don't even know like how to explain it, but I just, it was like the motion, the, the, the thing that was already somehow set in motion. And so when I, you know, found myself, first of all, posting publicly about my own addiction and then also Mm -hmm. putting my job and then also having been thinking about what needed to exist within recovery spaces or within, but then mm-hmm. just addiction treatment within, even just within society, it was something that looked a lot like what it is today. And then my first talk with an investor was about basically building a brand before I built a product. And so right. that was how the blog came about. So, I mean, most of 2014 was spent just creating my website, creating content for it and trying to mm-hmm. figure out what it was I was supposed to do with it all. As I'm sure you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yes. Very familiar <laughs> with that.
0: Um, okay. I have a straight up question and I have no shame in asking yeah. this. How do you make money from a blog?
1: Oh, I didn't. You don't make money from a okay. blog. Um, okay. I mean, this was 2014 and I think there was probably even more I have, I honestly have no idea. I mean, the monetization was, was the thing that always got me. I started to, I, I had yeah. figured out a way to get sober outside of AA in a way that I felt was incredibly holistic and also in a way that happened to be expedient as opposed to other methods. And I started to coach yeah. people. I mean, that was really it. I started to, the first thing I ever sold was a, you know, $79 an hour coaching package um, that then became a workshop that then became a school that now is um, a, you know, a business, an empire, (laughs) an empire. (sighs) No, I mean, but it is something, I mean, it's something I always knew I, I, I always knew I wanted to build something that was going to be able to scale and serve a lot of people and provide something that didn't exist and that was and that was always the yeah. plan it was you said at the beginning accessible and those were the two things yep. in 2014 when i was trying to pin down what i was doing in two words i was trying to make sobriety recover and recovery accessible and also desirable that was it those were the two things that mm. i set out to do well you are freaking doing it
0: <laughs> you are killing it uh, keeping on the on the business subject because I find this just very interesting that you know you say that you have always wanted this, how is it now like your tempest is huge and you employ quite a few people yeah uh, I mean it's not just you writing a blog and doing um, coaching or one on one courses and stuff like that anymore yeah this has
1: got has definitely scaled yeah how has that affected you I mean I think it's one of these things that I've just Mo, I, I don't, you know, it's so hard. Like I, I don't, it's been almost eight years. It's been eight, over eight years mm-hmm. since I started. I, I, I started to, oh. is that right? 2012. No. Yes. Seven. Um, seven <laughs> sorry i'm i'm like a yes. like well, it's is, almost 2020 girl. right no i mean it's just one of those yeah. things that moves so incredibly fast that it's almost sometimes like I, I just have to kind of catch myself as i'm in it um it's just i i have plunged forward and and, and almost um Without stop, I mean, with, without, without stopping, I went from, it was always one of those things where I knew as I was building it, that it was, um, like, for instance, I wrote a blog post like in, in late 2013 and it was just like, it's just so funny because I, I, it was about me constantly getting myself into situations where I knew I needed to focus on my recovery but also part of my recovery mm-hmm. was figuring out what to do with it. And so I was always in these right. situations where I would hurt, like I would just like hurdle myself forward into the thing I thought I was supposed to do I Was going to healthcare conferences. I changed my role at work. I would go to networking lunches. I would talk about sobriety. I mean, that was before like, you know, I mean, people weren't really talking. I mean, people still don't really talk about it, but it was yeah. really at a time when no one was really talking about this stuff at business lunches. And, I was asking yeah. everybody I could possibly ask for support in this. To me, what was really important at the time was working within the company I worked at. I had no plans to start my own company. It was just simply to make something of this because I had a hunch about alcohol. I had a hunch about the way people needed to recover, about the way that the healthcare establishment needed to support addiction and recovery. I and mean, was just so many things that I saw that was wrong with the whole landscape. And I think there was just right. this... This very clear belief. I mean, I was still smoking pot at that point. I was still bingeing and purging, and I was trying to build a a something out of it. And that was also part of my motivation for getting sober because I knew I couldn't smoke pot and do what I wanted to do. I knew that I couldn't be bingeing and purging and do what I wanted to do. And so, it's always been this continuous like push forward, as well as making sure that I'm bringing myself along with this. And so. Um, and sometimes like the, you know, the efforts come, you know, writing a book and also like we raised, I raised, we were, well, I raised venture funding in 2017 and now there's a we, but I did that in 2017 and shortly thereafter I got my book contract. And so, I mean, for the last few years, this is, it has been writing and building and, you know, two things that I, I, Greatly underestimated how much it would cost me, um, just in terms of, you know, my social life and even my recovery, right? Like, not even my recovery, but just my self care. And so I think it's this constant balance of like having to, I mean, I think it's this constant balance of having to push forward, but also have an extreme amount of awareness around what the cost is. And then also being severely protective of my sanity and the things that I need to do to keep myself, um, not from drinking, but just keep myself healthy. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh God. I hear you there. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Cause you to like keep pushing forward, but like, I feel the exact same way. Like when is enough too much? Like I don't know when to take a break. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Like, My nickname was like, because I used to DJ, was like DJ Relentless. Like I just couldn't stop. Uh, If I was a DJ, that would probably also
1: be my name. Yeah, no, I get it, and I think that that's where a lot of this comes in because I think it's like I do think when you are making your when you're making your recovery your business that it is Mm -hmm. I don't think it's impossible, and I don't think it's a dumb idea. Even though there's sometimes where I'm like, why the hell did I do this? But at the same time, it does require that there is. I mean, it just requires a different. I I I would say it requires such a different level of care and consideration. Um, I think Mm -hmm. in part why. I think part of what has propped up my commitment to myself and my recovery is the demands of my job and also the demands, Mm. not even the demands, but like being in a position where I am not responsible for other people, but leading other people. I think those things have absolutely forced me to take better care of myself than if it was just me, you know, in the world. And then at the same time, it also is at the cost of it. So it's, it's one of these things that it's, it's hard to suss out, but It is a very special and interesting place to be. And I, you know, I have many friends that have done this and that do this. And so it's, it's just, it's interesting. It's an interesting space in the world and also absolutely necessary. The reason that we're doing it is because there's something missing in the space. There's something missing that we saw and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, not opportunity so much as it's, as I, you know, I was just on this interview, the last, this last interview, it's always felt to some degree, like duty, like this is what I'm supposed to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Paying it forward. right Yeah. Uh,
1: Speaking of self-care, what does that look like for you? Oh, um, okay, yeah. so sleep is uh consistent. There was a period of time where I wasn't able to sleep when I was trying to finish the book um but that's I mean it's just I would say if there's one thing that I consistently prioritize it's it's how much sleep I'm getting in a night, and so I try and go for um I mean minimum seven and eight right. or nine um. I think hydration Ooh. is super important. My, the basic things for me are sleep and hydration and meditation. Um, yeah. And I, I keep a spiritual reading practice. Um, I would say I keep a just, I mean, a spiritual practice. I write gratitude lists. I, um, mm-hmm. I'm i consistently surrounding myself with things that remind me of um, of why I'm here and like what the real purpose behind mm-hmm. all this is. Um Community is a huge part of my self care. Um, baths. I take yeah. so many baths, still sometimes like two or three a day. Um, boundaries. Oh wow! Yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, I know it's like <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, th- I think boundaries are also a huge part of this. Um, I just yeah ended a relationship, and I did that, you know, basically because I, as an establishment of what I absolutely needed, I don't eat my needs, my very basic needs, um, to make other people comfortable or happy. I, am pretty true to myself and, and, you know, at the cost of things. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but for the most part, self-care is just still for like the most part, it's meditation and and sleep and water and good boundaries and good baths.
0: Keeping it basic. (laughs) What about you? What's
1: your self-care like?
0: Pretty similar. Sleep is a big thing. What sign are you? Are you a Taurus? No, but I'm surrounded by them. I'm a cap. I'm a double cap. I'm a Taurus. And a Libra moon. Okay. Because it's always like the Tauruses are love, like, love to sleep. Really? I could sleep forever. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But then also feel guilty about it. So it's like, yeah, it's it's nice. It's a double edged sword. (sighs) Um, Yeah, sleep is a big one. Food is huge for me. And I've really been noticing this lately because. I do. I am very like, go, 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 go. And I feel like if I need to calm myself down, I tend, and this has only been kind of recently that I've noticed this and it's kind of bizarre. I will have like the biggest meal possible. Like I won't really eat a lot all day and then I'll just like binge eat and then sleep. Interesting. I know it's not healthy. No, I know it's not but healthy. It is, but maybe it
1: is but but you know what maybe it is healthy. I think like one of these things like that I have had to break up with is what other people's idea of wellness is or what the wellness industry says mm-hmm. is wellness. And for me sometimes wellness is like I don't have checkout coping mechanisms anymore. Sometimes my checkout coping mechanism right. is literally like drinking a four-pack at Topo Chico and watching six hours of Netflix. Totally turning out, right. being by myself, and, you know, isolative solitude, right? And so I think there yeah. is, like, you're not drinking. You're not doing drugs. Like, you binge eat and you sleep, and that's what your body's asking you to do. I mean, I think that oftentimes... Yeah. We, that for me, if my body is like, do not go outside all weekend, sit your butt on this couch, stay in your picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, like then to me, that's kind of responding to what my body's need is. And to me, that's self-care, even if it isn't something that they post about on Goop, you know, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Goop. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, yes, I do agree with that. I think for me, the eating part is just like, it doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah, I understand. I think because I'm aware of it. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of doing this to like, just turn off and go to sleep because I probably won't turn off and go to yeah. sleep on my own.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then I feel like...
1: I just feel heavy. I understand. I feel like a heavy person. Do you, um, mm-hmm. can I ask when you say binge eat, what does that mean? Yeah. Is that like two cheeseburgers or is that like two grocery bags? Uh, no, it's like two, two cheeseburgers yeah. and fries. Yeah, and lots of dessert. Yeah. I know. I mean, I think yeah. I, I, again, I think this is like to each our own. We have to like decide what's, what feels right. What mm-hmm. feels wrong. I think I have gotten into periods. I I mean, I'm a former like two or three grocery bag binge eater. And sometimes okay. I will stuff myself with like, you know, like, um, I don't know, like nothing compared to that, but like the two cheeseburgers, fries and dessert. Right. And to me, I yeah. think part of my I also think part of my healing, I don't know if you've ever heard of Isabel Fox and Duke, but um, yeah, I think part of my healing has been allowing myself to be full, allowing my, you know, like I just, I have like pulled the edges off of the behavior because I find if I'm restrictive and I don't let myself just fucking do that occasionally um, or even not occasionally, sometimes night after night, just for a period of time while I'm in it. Um, that Mm -hmm. I, and if I'm hard on myself, you know, like all of that stuff, I think it's, I just, I think it's so interesting. I think a lot of us that quit drinking, I think for me, food was my first thing. And I won't even say it was Mm -hmm. my first addiction. It was just my first thing. It was the first thing I learned that was an external source to help me manage myself. And it still isn't a source that I help, you know, that I use to help manage myself in a different way and right. in a way that like I have over the years if I find if I don't allow myself to use it sometimes if I'm not like giving in to the chocolate cake when I want the chocolate cake or the shake shack when I want the shake shack um right. then I'm then I'm pulling a rubber band that's going to snap and so yeah. I think, I just, I think it's inter- And I'm not saying this as a commentary to say, like, oh, don't be hard on yourself. About, like, you know, we each get to be however we are. I think it's just so, I don't know. I think it's so interesting. I'm definitely not the poster child of somebody that, you know, like eats in a way. Like, I don't eat in a way other than the way that I feel I need to eat at any given time. And sometimes mm-hmm. it looks like what, you know, might look like a problem to other people, but doesn't feel like a problem to me anymore because it's just, Right. I don't know. Does that make sense? Is that No, it totally
0: yeah. does. It totally does. And I totally Yes. And I I see the correlation even to alcohol because like when you said like, "Oh, it might look like a problem to other yeah. people, but if you don't think it's a problem." Yeah. You know, I know tons of people who drink like fish, but they don't have a problem with yeah. it. They personally don't feel they have a problem. Yeah. So like Are they an alcoholic? Are they not an alcoholic? Is that something that should be addressed? I don't know. Who am I to say? If
1: they don't have a problem with it, what is the problem? I think it's, well, I mean, and that comes back to the point of all of it, which is it's really only us Mm -hmm. that get to decide. Yes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk about this book because we're running out of time and I want to get the book in there. (laughs) Tell me about this book.
1: (sighs) What is it about? Um, well, did you read it? No, I haven't got a copy you yet. You haven't gotten a copy yet? Uh, no. Oh, that's insane. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we'll fix that like today. Um, yeah. So the book is Quit Like a Woman, and it is about, yeah. um, I mean, it's about multiple things. I think it's first and foremost about um i mean the the way that I've built it up is to first explain the impossibility the impossible situation that most of us find ourselves in today, which is basically being sold um this bill of goods that we can have it all um and having yeah. it all essentially looks like something that's off of a highlight reel from social media it's a it's a it's a mm-hmm. picture of perfectionism that i don't I don't think anybody can truly actually attain um And then it goes on to talk about how alcohol is wrapped up in that same image of having it all. And oftentimes it's a tool that we're given in order to, I mean, for me and my own experience of it, it was a tool that helped me not just manage it. It was a tool that kept me numb from, I think, seeing the reality of how much I hated my life and and how much yeah. I never truly was owning it. I was just trying to conform to create this thing that I thought I was supposed to want, I thought I was supposed to have. And so, I mean, from, for the most part, it is a, a setup and and a commentary on that, but then it also starts to dig into, I traced back the, the way that cigarettes were sold to us um, and yeah. traced back the same trajectory for alcohol. Um, and, and one of the biggest assertions of the book is saying that alcohol is very similar to tobacco and that it is not the Mm. alcohol industry. It is big alcohol in the same way that it is big tobacco or big pharma. Um, and then, I mean, like it is essentially the whole entire setup is why it's so impossible, why we use alcohol, how it's been sold to us in a way that totally subverts our rational thinking, how it's been tied up with feminism, how it has been tied up with this rebellious subversiveness that like women are supposed to want and long for. And then finally it brings it into, and then when we can't manage it, and then when it becomes problematic, we're forced into male-centric recovery frameworks that aren't, um, that were never built with us in mind. Um, and then the second half of the book is for the most part a, um, a how it's not entirely prescriptive, but it is an explanation of what feminine centric recovery is. And then also, um, a guide through to, um, how to build, uh, recovery. And it's not a okay. book that is about AA bashing, it is a book that's meant to essentially give people, uh, I would say a an argument to the right of their own recovery, and no matter what that yeah. looks like, whether or not it includes AA. And so, I mean, there's there's so much that's in it. It's like 330 pages. It was at once at one point. Woo. I know it's huge. At one point in time, it was over 400 pages. Um, and uh, but it is. I mean, it's it's all of the things. I think for the last. Not I think it's all the things for the last. Seven ish years that I've been pulling together, threaded into what is meant to be a single coherent, um, argument. And
0: you're not a writer? Like, I'm not a
1: writer. What? What do you mean?
0: Well, like, like when you started, when we were talking about like how you started with like the blog posts and stuff, like you're not like a, uh, besides like writing longer emails for work, like you've never really written anything. And then you pull off this like, insanely amazing
1: in-depth book. Yeah. No, I mean, I would call myself a writer. I'm not a classically trained writer, but I think a lot, like I think that's the beauty of, I mean, I think that's truly the beauty of sobriety is just realizing you can claim, you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. You can, you can claim spaces um, that you otherwise might not claim. And so I definitely, I am, I am, a. I, I definitely am a writer now. And I think I spent, you know, yeah. the last however oh, many years, six or probably the last six years writing on average, you know, I mean like a decent yeah. amount a week. Um, that's translated into honing a craft that I actually love very much. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I want to write so many books. Awesome.
0: <laughs> That is so amazing. That is so inspiring.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well you it. know this. Though. Like you defeat those early like you I think that's like the biggest piece of this is you start to defeat these you, yeah. you see like you start to break apart the doubt that we carry around and you start to see through these yeah. like limitations we place on ourselves and then start oh, to see we can yes. do whatever we want to do.
0: Yeah. Like the limiting beliefs. Get out of here, man. No, I had so many limiting beliefs when I was drinking. I thought that I had to be this certain way. I had to look this certain way, especially, you know, being a DJ in LA, like, God, I had so many limiting beliefs. Like I've never, ever been more free in my life than I am now.
1: Isn't that amazing?
0: Hands down, never in my life. Yeah, I never thought I would be here. Are you kidding me? I never thought I would be doing this, having a conversation with you. I was a, I was an asshole. Like I had no, no, um, really empathy for anyone else. It was just like a me, 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 take, take, take. Are you, are you yeah. still in LA? Funny you should ask. Uh, right now I am sitting in my empty apartment because I am packing it up as we speak um and i am making vancouver canada my somewhat permanent home oh
1: that's wonderful so after 11,
0: that's exciting yeah after 11 years i am west hollywood oh, okay
1: nice. i lived in l.a yeah. for a really short period yeah. of time i actually was just there over the weekend and it was freezing freezing it is Freezing. You wait, you were here this weekend? Yeah, my family is there. So, I actually rented a house oh, in um in Laurel Canyon and then cuz I was I rented a house with a pool. What? Yeah. Um and, and then it was freezing the whole time. And so Yeah. Yeah.
0: Freezing and reading. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, I Vancouver's lovely. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You have to come to Vancouver. <laughs> I've been trying to get Ruby to come too. Like, honestly, I think we should plan something because Vancouver is magical. Isn't Vancouver it really? Is. We're like,
1: um, do you know the She Recovers folks? Yeah. They're Vancouver. They're on Victoria. That's
0: right. That's right. They're in, yeah, Victoria on the island, which is like a hit, skip, hop, and jump it away. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's Canadians, man. <laughs>
1: Holly, where can we find you? Um, You can find the book at quitlikeawoman.com. And you can also find uh, our school, our sobriety school, at jointempest.com. Amazing. And we'll get you a book ASAP. Sorry about that.
0: That would be (laughs) awesome. No, don't be sorry. No, I mean, I, I wanted to hear it from your perspective anyways. I want to know what it's about in your... Yeah, that word. was hard.
1: I was like, oh my God. Well, it's about yeah. so many damn things. You'll see when you get it. It's just one of those things where there's an angle and I, I constantly am trying to pick an angle. And I think for this, for this in this audience, it's like all the angles matter. Um, so thank okay. you for having me on. I, mean, I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your knowledge like I am so excited to have you on here I, this was such a long time coming so thank I know you so I much. know and thank
1: you for waiting I was in a no I was in a period like speaking of boundaries I, I am pretty clear with the no's and I think like this I knew I would be able to do some yeah. towards the end of the year but um I was trying to finish the book it was there's was no podcast all the time so I appreciate you waiting yeah, it was great thank you
0: How fantastic is Holly? I love that interview. See, she did it. I did it. Just give yourself some space. If you are trying to get sober, thinking about sober, sober curious, whatever end of the spectrum you are on, give yourself a little break. Try 30 days. Check out the 30 days to gain challenge at a sobergirlsguide.com as always thank you guys so much for listening couldn't do this without you please make sure to rate subscribe and give us your feedback we love to hear your comments and suggestions about the podcast don't forget to check us out on facebook on instagram at a sober girls guide and the blog oh the blog check out your how-to tips and your holiday survival guide at a sober girls guide.com Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.